Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Well, good morning, church family. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas celebration. I know it just Reflecting back on this week, that, our Christmas Eve worship time, was that not one of the, the best moments of the year? And I, each, and while Wes and Seth are up here, can we just thank our worship team for leading us? And Team Johnson and all those, the song that we sang before Tyson's message and then Tyson's message taking us into the, uh, just what we celebrate in Christ and then the song we sang after I think God, I know, used those in my heart and hope he did in yours, and, and uh, we have much to be thankful for, don't we, in celebrating Christ. But today, as we come to this uh, Sunday, this is the day that may be the toughest Sunday of the year to maintain consciousness when we sit still and get into God's Word. So the good news, well, we've been, anyone else been filling up on good food and staying up late watching movies and playing games and and schedule all shot to smithereens. Is anyone ready for a rut? I tell you what, I'm so ready to get back in. I, I wish we could skip New Year's just so I could get back into my rut. <laughs> but what we're going to do today, it, this, we're going to get into a text that thankfully has something for everyone. And it's one of those that's tough to fall asleep on. So, And I will do my best to move, move around and talk loud. It's hard to fall asleep in front of a loud moving object. So we'll, uh, we'll get into it. But just to context where we are as a church family this year, our big picture theme is this. Follow me, the words of Jesus to Peter in John chapter 21, verse 19. Remember that? Exclamation mark. Peter, uh, he's saying to Peter, just follow me. Let's do some good. And the calling of God in our lives to, to follow him into a life of love. The danger for us, and you see it in that moment with Peter, he's sidetracked by what's going to happen to John. The danger for us is we lose focus on this big picture, what God is doing around us, in us, through us, and we get caught up in a skirmish that really doesn't have eternal consequence. We lose sight of the big picture, we get caught up in a skirmish of little consequence, and we miss the opportunity that God provides for us to do good. We see it all the time in football, don't we? You take the uh, the Bears and the Vikings are going against each other. We'll go, let's go Colts and Steelers this afternoon. Game on the line. Thankfully, we, we, we're up. Lord willing, hope I'm not knocking on wood. But the, uh, and, and uh, we're up. Let's say we're up, but Ben Roethlisberger and the crew are driving down. It's, it's like fourth and five. No, it's fourth and four, so all they need is five yards. And there's 30 seconds left, and wouldn't you know it, this guy has been getting into it with that guy all game long. Saying, me wimp, your mom's this, that, the other, blah, 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 blah. Ripping on each other, this little battle going on. And now when the game is on the line, this guy, here's that guy, step across the line, say what he should not have said, and he shoves him, that guy shoves back, now fists are flying, now yellow flags are flying, and we're praying. The penalty is not on us, but on the Steelers. And what are the coaches doing? They're losing their mind. What are you guys doing? We're here to win a game. 
but he said this and he said that. I don't care what he said or that. The enemy of our soul would, and I believe is always throwing out those baits to tempt us into getting caught up in a personal skirmish or a matter that doesn't have eternal consequence, losing sight of the big picture. The calling of God on our lives through the text we're in today is to live with the big picture in view. It's big picture living because when we keep the big picture in view, it will energize us to live out the do the good that God's called us to do, okay? So that's where we're going. Powerful text. Titus chapter 2 is where we're going to be today. And it's, uh, we'll just dig right into verse 1. It says, Paul is writing to, to equip Titus, and he says, You, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Quick context on where we are here in, in Titus. Paul is, uh, remember, Titus is a young pastor Paul left on this island of Crete, which is an island out there in the Mediterranean, kind of like Jamaica's out there in the, you know, where it, it looks kind of like Jamaica, but it's out there. And he left Titus there to help these young churches who are in a culture that is a mess. Now, as a pastor, this is actually, we, we call this is great room for, great opportunity for ministry growth and improvement but if you just read in Titus chapter 1 verse 12 it says one of Crete's own prophets had said Cretans are always liars evil brutes and lazy gluttons so you can't trust these people they're evil brutes and when you say brute it's like they're doing evil and they put some hit behind it that's Titus means of the giants and I can't help but think his mom and dad maybe named him when they saw this maybe he I'm thinking Paul might have left Titus on there as a big, I'm thinking he may be a big guy just to deal with, like he's going to put some beef behind what, what he's going to have to say to these people. And, uh, but here's the question, you guys, can God transform a messed up culture? Can God transform a messed up culture? Is our God big enough? And the answer is, oh yeah. How does he do it? One life at a time as the gospel takes root, transforms us, and then through us, transforms that culture but how does that happen church it's through the gathering it's God intends for every follower of Jesus to be part of a healthy church family what is church it's a gathering it's a family of believers who come together and what do we do we teach you see it right there in the first part we teach each other and what do we teach a new way to be human we teach a new way to be human. It's a radical way to be human. It's to live our life like Jesus would live it. Jesse, what's your bracelet say again, babe? He would love first. He used to be WWJD. Now it's P-H-W-L-F. He would love first. New way to be human. Follow Jesus. And so he fleshes it. What's this look like for these people in Crete? Commentators say, okay, is this uh, cultural or is this eternal truth coming at that we can apply to our lives? I think it's a little of both, but uh, for sure some, some principles flow out of this. And so we're going to work through the first 10 verses, and then we'll get to 11 to 14 is the big picture living part. But here we go. First, he starts out, teach the older men. Would all the older men please stand up here just so we know who we're talking about? <laughs> Jerry, I see that nudge, Doug. Good. How, how do you know if you're older? Quick test, it's the Mike Tyson test. A couple weeks ago, Mike Tyson, another guy, fought 50-year-old guys fighting. The next morning, the commentator said, well, I'd, I'd say that was a success. No one got hurt. 
if when you do a physical activity, Aaron, you play cornhole and Abby comes back, it's like, whew, did you hurt yourself? Good, that's a win. If, if that's happening to you, you're old. So uh, older men, <laughs> what, and, and it's interesting though here, really priority, older men, the position that, that we have of great influence, and he says, okay, one, teach them to be temperate, meaning don't swing to extremes. Keep your head about you. Um, that idea of uh, being balanced, sober mind, be worthy of respect. This is that idea of being the kind of person that is, would be, people look at you and be like, that guy I could follow. Um, there's a dignity, there's a, a uh, just a respectability. And then be self-controlled. And this comes up again and again, we understand as, the culture in Crete, people needed self-control, but it's, man, it's the idea of managing your passions and desires through your mind and through the framework of a renewed mind, so you're not just following this whim and that whim. Interesting as older men, you know, that's all, all the desires that we have, but the in, it's, one commentator said it's understanding, as we get older, the gravity of where we live and what and our influence and I think about that with dads I have opportunity to counsel people through hurts and it's interesting how often or sometimes what a dad said to a son that son is still trying to get over when they're like 70 years old and as a older man we understand I have to be really careful about what I say it's not like I just can say stuff and um, how I live, it's going to affect a lot of people. And then he says, be sound. And when a word, you see the word sound appear, it's the idea of healthy. When, some, when a body is sound, it, it's a healthy body. It's balanced. It's, it's working right. Sound in the faith, in love. And here it comes. This doesn't show up for anyone else, but sound in what? Endurance. Older guys, is it going to get any easier for us to follow Christ when we get retirement age it's going to get tougher this is the same word used in hebrews 12 let us run with perseverance endurance the race marked out for us and illustration after illustration of, of when often men bonk in the spiritual journey is in the older the uh the latter part of the race and so he's calling them titus tell these older guys get ready to run through some stuff when you get old um I just want to praise God for the older men who are running with endurance in our church family. And Jack Hume meets with a group of guys on Wednesday morning. They're going Zoom right now. But they went through a book recently called Finishing Strong. What was the essence of the book? And this pumped me up. I Sitting with my, my dad's an example of this. And I was like asking dad about his, his habit throughout life was to read 30 minutes a day. And he would read 24 books a year as a pastor. So I asked him this year, he's 78, no longer serving as pastor, how many books did you read this year? And COVID may have helped with this. 33 books he put down. He's still going, still learning. Why? We'll see you in a minute. Bigger picture living. But second he says, okay, likewise, teach the older women. Could we please have the, nope, we're not going to do that. <laughs> the, uh, the older women, and what are they to be, be taught to be reverent in the way they live? I love the way one commentator said, this is to see all of life as a sanctuary to worship. Not to be slanderers, careful with what we say, 
or addicted to much wine. Why would older women be tempted to be addicted to much wine? Worries. I, being married to a mom, or I'm mean, married to a, yeah, I'm married to a mom. Where are you at, Mama Mac? <laughs> I have every day that passes a new appreciation for moms, but where you worry about things that, you know, out of love for your kids, with every year that passes, you get a whole new uh, thing of worries. And with every kid that you get, you have a universe of worries. With every grandkid, there's another universe of worries. Would be tempting to just drown them with, with drink. But he's saying, uh, be, be careful about that. Is it wrong to drink wine? No. If anyone should be able to drink wine, it should be a Christ follower who has the Spirit of God giving us self-control. But it's, it's wrong when it becomes addictive or we're numbing our and trying to forget life with it. So be careful about that. But to teach what is good. And it's on older women to be teaching. Stop and think about this week. I was like, who are the best teachers I've ever had in my life? I run down your list of teachers. But elementary school, it was a, a woman. Grade, or, uh, high school, Mrs. McQueen, geometry and algebra. Uh, Cedarville, it was, a te- it was a woman teaching uh, Christian ed. And then in seminary, my Hebrew professor was a, a lady who was teaching. And I was thinking, um, and, and here we see there, he goes, he moves from teaching what is good into a specific group that they're to be teaching so that they can train, or the NIV has urge, it's literally train the younger women. Notice Titus's job isn't to teach younger women. Might not, um, but rather the older women are to train the younger women to do what? To love their husbands and their children. It's interesting, it's not the word agape, it's philos, love. Now why would should they be trained to love their husbands and their children? Well, let me ask you young ladies that are married, has there ever been a day when it's tough to love your husband and your kids? Can I get an amen? Nobody. You guys are looking at me like, I know. Like, okay, I thought I was going to change this guy, and it, it ain't happening. And these kids, how many ungrateful I think I will just hop in my car and drive to a beach down on Florida and wait until that phone rings and see how long this family can survive without me and aren't you thankful for the older women that come alongside and say I know what you're saying hang in there love keep going love and to be self-controlled and pure by the way Hall of Fame mom is turning a, uh, or she's forever young, Nicole McDougall, birthday today. We can all text her, but thankful for her raising up three young men. But anyway, be self-controlled and pure to be busy at home. Now, the idea, some have taken this, that women shouldn't work outside the home. That's not the intent. The intent is let home be your priority. We see other scriptures speak into women. Part of their gift is working outside the home and, and providing for the family through their work. But the uh, but priority of mom must be home and dad as well. We know scripture says when the hearts of men, fathers turn towards their children, that's when revival happens. But mom has a gift with home that dads, I know even this Christmas, I sit back and like, I don't know how, um, praise God for, for Tam and, and just what she brings to the family, making this happen and, and what a gift. And to be kind and to be subject to their husbands, to to. Um, follow that line of, of sub- submission. We're to be mutually, 
mutually submissive, but within the home, the husband is the loving leader, and the wife must uh, follow his lead so that the Word of God, no one will malign the Word of God. Here's a hint to the bigger picture that's coming. All right, so he moves on to the young men, and this is kind of uh, somewhat, you look at it, a bit comical in, that, uh, in the brevity of it. He says, similarly, encourage or exhort the young men to be self-controlled and, and there's not an and, and, and. He just stops. <laughs> young men, here's all you got to know. Just work on this, self-control. Why? Because passions of youth, right? Testosterone's running high. Let's go fight the fight. Let's go get the beauty. Let's go, and we can run our lives into the ditch quickly. And he's saying, guys, 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 self-control, especially in this culture of Crete, self-control, which is, your mind, a renewed mind, managing our passions and doing, managing them in a way that would be honoring to God. Interesting, though, what he says, the, how to teach these young men for Titus is primarily his example. Probably a young guy, and he's saying, Titus, and he talks a lot more about Titus being a good example than he even does what to teach these guys. As he says, um, in everything, set them an example by doing what is good. And your teachings show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. And then he moves to slaves or bond servants, and a little different than slavery in our culture, but still slavery. And some would say, well, is God condoning slavery here? And he's like, no. Or, or we know from the whole of Scripture, absolutely not. Injustice throughout Scripture of any kind is um, a sin before God, and he calls us as his followers to upend anything that systems that are unjust. Or, but what he's saying here is, if you find yourself in the position of slavery, be a, a slave that is honoring Christ, even in that position. Does it mean you should stay a slave? He's not saying that. But he's saying, while you are, honor Christ this way. Live like this. And, and for us, the, the uh, application would be, if you find yourself under an idiot boss, an, an evil boss that's just bent on squelching you. I mean, every time you do good, she just elevates somebody else because of gender bias. You're a guy, and she does not see the good you're doing. She's your boss, but she is going to just ah, hold you down. How are you to react in that situation, or how, you, how are you to live? And it'd be a similar, be subject to, to, her, to the mas their masters in everything obedient try to please them go above and beyond not talk back talking back to them not stealing from them being honest but to show that you can be fully trusted so that in every and here comes another hint into the big picture so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive okay now we're about to make the, the shift Paul has just listed the do list Here's the do list. But now what he's going to do is give us the why. And in the why, he gives us the big picture and the call to bigger, big picture living. Right now, it's helpful to just pause. What would you be thinking if you were an older man, older woman, young man, young woman in Crete, a culture that's running in the opposite direction of what, what you've just heard from Titus or from Paul? You've just read this. What are you thinking? Oh, baby, here we go. This is going to be tough. And good chance I'm going to take some hits. And you know, there will be a moment you're going to want to just, that's that football moment where 
you're dealing with this stuff and you're just going to be tempted to get caught up in the personal skirmish. Love like I should love in this situation? No. Or the temptation to whatever. And, and what God gives us in what's to come, verses 11 to 14, is a big, it's like that friend that runs over during the football game and gets in your face and says, don't hit him. Don't hit him. It's game on the line. Stop. This text is like that. It's, it's big picture, which enables us to do the good, stay on track to, to what God's called us to do. It's a big picture that's framed by four core truths. And here's the challenge of the day. We'll go ahead and put it up, and then we'll work our way through this text. The challenge of the day is this. Live with the big picture in clear view. Live with the big picture in clear view. The first core truth is this. God's grace, saving grace, is at work all around us. Look at verse 11 there. Okay, why should the older men do this, and older women this, and young men and slaves do this? For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Core truth, God's grace is at work all around us. Here God is reminding us where we are on the redemptive timeline of human history. He's saying, guys, the big picture is this. Jesus has appeared. When it says the grace of God has appeared, that's the arrival of Jesus. In Bethlehem, his life, his death on the cross, he is offering salvation to people who are separated from him through faith in what Christ did for us on the cross. And this is a unique time. The doors of heaven have opened through the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ, the gift of salvation through faith in him on the cross. Today, if you're listening to this and you don't have a relationship with God, his invitation is open to you to let today be your, your day of salvation. But for those of us who know him, God's intention for us is that phone call from heaven. And what's, it, what, what's he saying, guys? Don't be listening to all that other noise. Listen to this noise. Today is the day of salvation. There are people around you that don't know him. And his grace is at work um, lining up circumstances so that you might have the opportunity to open a door to the kingdom of God, to, to point them to Christ. What is God doing in your life today, around you? Where's he at work? If you have an idiot boss, if you're in your friendships, in, in your school, in your in our neighborhoods, where is he at work? He is at work drawing people to himself and calls us to join him in that work. Several years running, we, our elders, would take off to Minneapolis. How many of you have been to Minneapolis? All right, we have some from Minneapolis. If you haven't been there, you got to get there. And I know I, I thought, why Minneapolis? It is the coolest city. Great places to eat. Go with, hang out with Bo and Fred Klein. We'll take you to some good spots. But, uh, we, we would go up there, and it was, you can tell, we were truly going to, be, to learn, and our, we were very spiritual because we went at the end of January, right, where other pastors go to Florida for their conference. Well, we went to where it was sub-zero. <laughs> Not really. We, we needed help as well. Guys, no one, are you, I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep this light, but uh, <laughs> anyway, the, uh, we were, and if you've been there, you know, it's like a gerbil. Um, tunnel all over the city you can go here there and everywhere through these tunnels and so but they shut what we didn't know was or forgot was 
access to those tunnels closed down at some point in the evening. And so we went out to dinner one night, and we thought, well, we'll just walk out the, the door of the, this restaurant and hop in one of these tunnels. Well, every access door was shut. And it was, I had to be, I think it was around zero or windshield below zero. And, you know, we start thinking, I was thinking, okay, expose, we're, we're running frostbite risk. And we, maybe this door, nope, and it's getting colder and colder, and we're getting panicked. And um, finally we start to run. And I remember that because I was, I was going to come back here and have knee surgery not long after that. So I'm kind of limping around with this bum knee thinking, and it reminded me of one guy said at a conference when he was from like LA and he was at this conference in Chicago and he said, I decided I'm never going to move to a place where if I get locked out of my house, I could die out from freezing. <laughs> and that's running through it. Look up at uh, the tunnels and there's these warm people. Oh, so nice and warm, cozy, cozy, cozy. And just minding their own business, walking along. While we're down here freezing, thinking I'm going to die. We can't get in. As Jesus followers, what's our calling today? It's not to be warm and cozy. It's to walk down the stairs, open that door where people are dying and going to hell and saying, there's grace. Come in. Come in. So who in your life, have God's let you come alongside them, live at the same time, and they don't know about the grace that has appeared, that's offering salvation to all people. You say, no way could God save that person. Oh, yeah. No way can he make a lazy glutton, a self-controlled follower. Oh, yeah. A evil brute, the bully in your class. Yeah. The, uh, and the list, list runs on big picture living. God's grace is at work all around us. Core truth number two, God's grace is at work in us. Verse 12 says it teaches us to say no, speaking of his grace, to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. What an encouragement for us. As we look at this list of first 10 verses, how are we going to do that? You know, but guys, here's the thing. We don't become like Jesus on our own effort. It's the grace of God that does that. God will give us the grace to say no to what is, will destroy us worldly passions, what would hurt him and hurt others and ourselves, and say yes to what is, what is right and good and, and godly in this present age. His grace is available. So here's a question. Are you surrendered to the transforming grace of God in your life today? Where, where is the grace of God at work even as you think into this new year, where is he seeking to make you more like himself? What, what do you need to say no to? What do you need to pursue? And when you see it, are you willing to get after it and go after it? God's at work, but will you join him in that transforming work and, and seek to, to live the life? And maybe it's one of these things on the list that he gave us in the first 10 verses. Next Sunday, we are going to launch our Disciple 2021 challenge where we all pick one word where we sense God working in our lives and encourage you to even be thinking this week and praying Lord what's what would one word or phrase or an area of life that you would call me to focus on for this coming year all right so big picture living first God's grace is at work around us it's at work in us but third core truth God's grace is coming for us 
And this is in verse 13, while we wait for the blessed hope, the happy hope, the appearing, and that word while we wait, or the wait is eagerly await. It's that idea of just longing for, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I love it that we sing joy to the world during Christmas. But did you know that that song was not written for December or for for Christmas? Joy to the world was written for the second advent when the curse will be lifted. And I just love the idea that that God says, not not only is this the coming of Christ, the promise of his return, not only is it our hope, it's our blessed hope, or literally, it's our happy hope. It's the hope that should be putting a smile on our face as we look to it, and we should be looking to it often while we wait. Why? Because it has a trans, transforming effect on our lives. It's interesting as you read throughout Scripture how often the second coming is linked to our sanctification. When we see Jesus coming, it, it just moves us to become like He is. It, it has a purifying effect. So here's the question. Oh, the picture would be our dog, Riley, little white dog. And do you know Riley, this is living the life of Riley, when we're gone, she's highly anxious, and she will sit there on my chair that I have chair time with the Lord, look out the window, and just wait for us to come home, anxiously waiting for us to come home. And you can just see her. She's... And neighbors tell me when they walk by, like, man, your dog is barks at us like big time. She's just... She's waiting for us to come home, and I picture that's how we're to be living. And and it's interesting, she's sitting, and so I thought, what if I had a spot where I just sat and I waited for the Lord to come? It was my spot. Wouldn't that be cool, like, during the day? And then I thought, it hit me, I just need to live the life of Riley. (laughs) When I have my chair time, just make sure part of that chair time is, Lord, ah, I see it. I see it coming. Grace. Guys, we're going to experience the grace of God in a way we can't even imagine today. Like it's going to, you talk about a wave of future grace. And this is power. This is big picture living. When we see it and, and when we, it hits us, it, it has a purifying effect. We purify ourselves even as he is pure. It helps us say no to ungodliness and, and do what God's called us to do. And it creates a, a sense of urgency to be about what God has called us to be about as we set out to do good. It's interesting, you know, this COVID effect, but could this be our last, are are we nearing the end? And looking back over this past year, I know it's been a tough year, but honestly, this would be a Scott Lane thing. Be sensitive that I say this. It's been hard for many people, and, and if you've lost a loved one or, struggling through, um, do not want to minimize that at all. But in the realm of tribulation that we read in Scripture that's coming towards the end, end times, guys, this, this was nothing, you know? This was nothing. And so um, God's grace was there with us. He'll be with us in, in what's to come. But really important that we lock in on the hope, the grace to come to, to carry us through the trials that, that we will face as we near home. And then the fourth truth that helps us live. Big picture living that fuels our, our uh, doing good is found there in verse 14. It's God's grace 
is to be flowing through us. Here's where it gets personal. He says in verse 14, Jesus Christ, speaking of Jesus, who gave himself. It's good to just pause there and let that soak in. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness. The word redeem there is to, he purchased us through what, through his life, through his blood. He purchased our freedom out from under the dominion of sin and, and the power of sin and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Isn't that awesome? Guys, why do good? Why do the good that God's called you to do, to, to love as he's called you to love, to, to have self-control and then live out the calling that he's put on your life? Why do this? What's the why, the big why for us? This is it, isn't it? It's personal. He gave himself to redeem me, to, to buy me up out of slavery to sin and to purify me, to be his treasured, and the word there, um, his very own, it means literally his treasured possession. And do you feel the energy flowing out of this? Just like, this is the why. He, he gave himself that I might be his own so that I might join him and doing the good that, that he's created me to do. As we work our way through this, these core truths, do you, big picture living, do you, do you feel the power to, to do good that's flowing out of these, these truths? As we see God's grace at work around us, offering salvation to all people, just what if you could get in on that, you know? That this coming year, 2021, God gave you the privilege of opening a door to someone and, and helping them to know him. And that God's grace is at work in you. What if this year, truly, and even in this moment, God's grace is changing you, transforming you, and what if that happens? And what would be the effect of that? And God's grace... Um, coming for us and what if that's a, a reality that just fills us with hope in a way that that puts joy in our heart energy to serve him and then what if we see God's grace flowing through us to others we've been redeemed for this purified for this and then that we would be eager to go out and, and do the good that he's called us to do it's powerful to propel us to do some good so where do we go from here and as you Come to this week, and it's a, as Wes mentioned, this is a unique week in the year. It's a time we look back, we look ahead, and may I encourage you to just set aside at least an hour to just get with the Lord and call it your year-in-review, year-in-review meeting with Him. And take part of that and just look back, and would you identify five moments through 2020 where you see the grace of God just pouring into your life? Maybe it was a moment when you see someone that you know come to, come to faith in him or whatever that may be. Maybe a moment with your family where God was just there with you and a moment through COVID where he gave you guidance through his word or encouragement through his word or maybe something that he led you to, some good to do and, and just jot that down and then 
praise Him for that and use that as a worship igniter. One of the ways that we love God with all of our mind is through memory. Pretty neat that we can go back, we can cast that fishing pole back into our memory, reel up a God moment, and worship Him all over again through that moment. Just tell Him, thank you, Lord, and what a gift um, you've given us. And as followers of Jesus, so many reasons we have, don't we, as we look back over this past year, as a staff this week we were celebrating, and it's overwhelming what God has done for us and in us and, and through our church family over this past year. And just to, before we move on, five snapshots of God's grace. Would you do that? Be willing to do that? Your year in review meeting with the Lord, look back, five reasons to praise Him, and then Look ahead with this text in mind to 2021 and ask a couple questions. First question, these four truths guide them. Where is God, God, where are you calling me to be, to join you in your saving work? And how am I going to order my life? And it may mean getting out of the fishbowl of just Christian friends and doing something that's going to put you around some people who don't know him. Maybe saying, I'm going to get bold with being ready to share my faith or and get ready for that. Or, or um, Where is God calling you to join him in, it, in his saving work would be question one. Question two, God, where are you at work in me in the realm of character formation? And again, praying through that. What's maybe the one word or, or a part of scripture where you know you're not like Christ and you need to make that step? And where might that be? Three. Third question would be, uh, what will I do to increase my longing for the coming of Christ? What can I do to help me fix my eyes on the grace coming versus the mess down here? And, and just, I'm going to discipline myself to look up and, and see the long for the second coming of Christ. And then fourth, what's the good that God is calling me to do in this unique season of my life with how he shaped me, where he's placed me, what's the good that, I, that he has redeemed me to do, purified me to do, and now the only question is, am I going to get up off the couch and get her done? What's the good that, that he's calling me to do? Sound good? As action steps. Well, 2020, what's 2020 taught you? If you could say, hey, here's my big takeaway. I think we could, that'd be an interesting dinner table conversation. I know it's taught us many things. One thing is life is a precious gift, but life is also hard. And it can leave us disoriented, discombobulated, um, under the cloud of despair and discouragement. But God has given us his word. Why? We walk by faith, not by sight. And in his word, he paints a bigger picture. He says, guys, here's what you need to be looking at as you do life. With the eyes of faith, see this. See my grace. Yeah, it seems like things are out of control, but they're not. They're not. The saving work of God is going on today, if not more so than it, it was before. My grace is working all around you. See my grace working in you. And the grace of God works in us, especially in trials. And see my grace coming for you. Never lose sight of your hope. The best is yet to come. And then allow my grace 
to flow through you into, into this coming year. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Aren't you thankful for his word to us? Well, join me in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for these moments just to, on this pivot week of the year to be able to look back at your grace and then look ahead at, uh, at your grace. Lord, we needed this text today and, and uh, just thank you so much for, uh, for the ways that you meet with us in your word and just open our eyes to what is true, how you lift our head again and again and say, look here, look here at my grace. Lord, I pray as a pray first for those who are struggling this morning, and I know that we all bring something that's heavy into this room, a burden and a challenge, and Lord, we just lift that before you, and I, I pray that, that you would just come alongside each person who may be struggling today, and, and Lord, would you just uh, pour out your empowering grace, your sustaining grace, your comforting grace to them. And then, Lord, as we prepare for this coming year, I pray that you would just strengthen us and um, let us, um, where there is weakness, I pray that you would put strength that we might be energized to do the good that you've called us to do. Help us finish strong, run with endurance, should this be our last lap. And we do all this for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.